All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. This is Chris Baca and Jared Truby, and we are sitting on a Skype call with the magical Brandon Paul Weaver. You might know Brandon from Slate Coffee. He's also a bartender at Liberty Bar, which coincidentally is the best neighborhood bar in the world. So just think about that for a second. What's up, Brandon? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Sick, dude. You sound great. You sound great. Cruise out here in Seattle right now. Dude, Seattle's deep in the game. Is it beautiful right now? Because Seattle in the summertime is epic. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, it's like 75, and I can't see any clouds. Yeah, that's awesome. The first time I ever went to Seattle, it was during the summer, and it was that kind of weather, and I was like, uh-huh. holy shit, why don't I live here? Yeah, 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 we try to hide that from people. It's a secret. Yeah, secret. Don't tell anybody. If you're listening to the podcast, forget about it. We're going to men in black brain wipe you afterwards. I had a pretty hot four, four trip in a row sunny time, and then the last two have just been mega rain. So, <laughs> But, I mean, it was hot for a minute. I had a real hot time. So let's get let's just jump on in. I I've known you for a quite a bit quite a bit of time in the specialty coffee scene, and most people will know you from Slate Coffee. Yeah. But you worked at Zoka prior to that. Let's. Where what's your it? background? How did how did you end up in this industry? Where are you even from? Where are you from? So uh, so I was going to University of Washington way back, right? And I was working at this cool independent cafe called Parnassus. Parnassus. Yeah, it's an art building in the basement. All right. Uh, and like the, they had a, the, a whole university that had a contract with Tolly's. So that was like the only spot where you could get some coffee that wasn't uh, Tolly's because it had been that way for 50 years. Uh, we were slinging Tony's up in Bellingham. Yeah, Tone Tone. Yup. And uh, I moved across the street from University Zoka uh, while I was going to school there. And they happened to have this really killer bar crew there. Uh, Zoka was kind of on top of things at that point. And I kind of had my magic coffee moment there. A natural Ethiopian coffee, naturally. naturally. Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. What year was that? Stuff's falling down, man. Oh, yeah, that was me. I, I stepped on the cat bowl for everybody listening. <laughs> I have That's to send out a huge apology. Like... Huge apology to my cat, Max. Sorry, Max. <laughs> She's uh, freaked out. What was that experience like, Brandon? That first man, experience, it... what happened to you? I drank, so I was a pour-over coffee, which I didn't know what that was. Uh, and suddenly, I was drinking a cup of blueberry muffins. Yeah. And I was like, how did you get a blueberry muffin so liquefied in the cup? I don't even understand that. Blenders. Uh, I just kind of hung out there. They had a line, like, to the door deep, but I just kind of stood there, like, with my mouth open, like, what even is this? Uh, you know, they just kind of smiled. <laughs> They're all, we know stuff that you don't yeah, know. Yeah. But so then I just kind of kept coming back and asking questions and trying to apply it to where I was working at the time. And actually, uh, one Mr. Nick Veray, who was the director of education at Zoka at that point, uh, basically was like, why don't you work here? Because you're asking all the right questions. Right. And I said, I don't know. I guess I could do that. And so he kind of hooked it up, got me a job there, started, started learning some stuff uh, and just fell in love with it, really. You're like, you're so damn handsome. I've got to come work with you. He really is. He really is. You're all, I want to fly away. 
Because he looks yeah, like Lenny yeah, Kravitz. Yeah, Kravitz. Exactly right. Yeah, he's probably going to murder me now, so I'll say goodbye. Uh, <laughs> we like love that Nick, guy. Nick's yeah. tight, dude. Nick's the bomb. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I first saw him, I was like, who is this guy? I'm like, dude, this guy's <laughs> rad. I was like, he's bringing some swag to Los Angeles. That's where I remember no. meeting yeah, you yeah. first. Oh, back at that time, check this out. Check out this trio. Back at that time, he had a blog. Uh, well, I guess it was a, it was a, a quadrio. What's, what do you call four? A trio with four? Uh, I don't know uh, what I'm going to call it. Quartet? A quartet. Quartet. That's nice. So That's so they had a blog called Why Not Coffee. It was Alex Negranza, Ryan Soder, Sam Lewinton, and Nick Beret. That's a pretty oh, fun smoke. little yeah, it's like a singing singing and dancing crew as well. Uh yeah, they do perform occasionally if you're lucky enough to get a ticket. Doo wop group, the Pecan Sandies. I'm gonna pre buy. <laughs> I'm gonna pre buy. Yeah, Alex grew up in the same town I'm from. Modesto, like Modesto, that's right, right smack dab in the Central Valley. It's so funny how people just come out of the woodworks. Yeah, now they're all over the place, those four. Those hard-working country folk really come out and do some stuff. So you got in the door at Zoka. Are you, were you working at the university store then? I was. I worked there for probably six months. Uh, I was in the midst of graduating at that time. And I ended up getting transferred over to the original Zoka, OZ, they call it, uh, in Tangletown in Greenwood in Seattle. Okay. Uh, and I started, uh, I was a system manager and did some like store trainer sort of stuff there, which was super fun. I started kind of looking at coffee like a, it could be a career at that point. And then when did the cocktailing thing come into play? Well, so at that point, I guess Nick had started barbacking at, at Liberty Bar where Alex Negranza was also working. And uh, I had moved up to that neighborhood, so I was kind of going in there all the time. And I kind of, I was looking at the bar world. I didn't know anything. Uh, but there's a guy behind the bar, and I was kind of trying to get into service, kind of thinking about how to treat my guests at Zoka and, and ways to do that. And uh, there's a bartender there named Nate Kiroga, uh, who's in a band called Iskadoff right now. Check him out. There's a shout-out. Shout-out. Plugged it. Uh, and I, I was reading a book, and you just kind of chatted me up, asked me what I was reading, commented intelligently about it, and then handed me a cocktail that blew my mind. And I was like, what is even happening? It was kind of a similar experience to uh, to that natural Ethiopian I had at Azoka. Love it. Similarly, around that time period, uh, we caught wind of a few folks who were starting a company called Slate Coffee, and they were looking to do some, some stuff that was a little bit different for Seattle at the time. Uh, definitely going hard on the lighter roast sort of thing. Uh, you know, we're, we're kind of old school, dark roast town here. A lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of folks love that. Um, so they, they wanted to sort of bring something on the other end of the spectrum, and we were kind of into that. And Nick and I were talking about ways that we could present the coffee differently, because if we were going to do different style of coffee, we thought it should be presented a little bit differently too. Gosh. And so we said, hey, well, what if we opened a, a shop that kind of functioned like a bar did? And that would give people a different uh, a different way to understand what was going on. Uh, and maybe it, maybe it wouldn't invite the same association so they wouldn't have the same expectations. Right. So what happens when you get to Slate? So we've been there, but yep. for everybody who's, you know, maybe everywhere else in the world, how is it different than just, say, Coffee Shop X? Like, walk us through a, a service scenario at Slate. Well, I have to fast forward a little bit because Slate now has four locations, uh, which is legit. Yeah. Uh, and each one is a little bit of a different a different service experience, kind of dependent on the neighborhood and what fits there. Now, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Let's start with OG. Let's start OG. Store number one. So store number one. So you walk in and we tried to take away a lot of the the familiar aspects, I suppose, of a, a, a traditional uh, coffee service experience. Things like things like the visible register and the the overhead menu and a, a sort of queue for the British folks out there. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the sort of line. So so you walk in and there's an espresso machine and a person. And there's no real clear way for you for or a place for you to stand necessarily. I mean, there's space, but there's not like a, a direct way to go. And so you're almost you're almost the most natural thing for you to do is to talk to the person who's standing right in front of you with a you know probably probably with a stupid smile on their face because they've had a lot of coffee that day. <laughs> and you know, first question usually is, you know, hey, how you doing? Like, are you are you staying here today? Or are you taking something to go? Because if they're taking stuff to go, we're just trying to get that as fast as we can into their hands so they can get on their way and get, get what they want. If they're planning on hanging out, and a lot of people do because the original location is kind of in the middle of nowhere. Right. Uh, you really have to try to get there. Yeah, it's next to like a bunch of people's houses, basically. It's like yeah, in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's a residential neighborhood. There's, there's a restaurant across the street, which is Bangin', Brimmer, and Heel Tap. But besides that, there's no other retail for like a mile. Kind of cool. Uh, so you get there, a lot of people want to stay, and so we basically offer you a seat. Uh, we have a little printed out menu that we hand you, and then we'll give you a glass of water uh, so you can you know, get hydrated while you're looking at the menu. And then we'll give you a little bit of space to look over it. Uh, we kind of went the whole uh, Proof Rock 9th Street Espresso, handsome, rest in peace, uh, menu, <laughs> <laughs> where, where there's, not, there's not a ton of traditional Italian names on there. Yeah. The sort of espresso with milk. Going with a bar theme, we went espresso neat on there. Gotcha. Uh, Hand brewed coffee. So it's it's terms that if you're coming from a a historical, traditional American cafe background, you might not be familiar with, which is why we want to give you some space to look at it. Maybe maybe develop some questions if you had it. Mm -hmm. And then reapproach and say, "Do you have any questions? You know, what can I do? What can I get for you today?" Usually, a little conversation starts right there. Right. Do you feel like a lot of the premise for that, well, or some of the premise for that came from kind of your experiences both at the bar, although you might have had a different experience, than the Zoka experience where you had these these flavors come into your mouth and then, at least at Zoka, it sounded like you didn't really have the opportunity to just like attack and ask the questions and be like, what's happening right now? You just, you had to stand there and be like, I don't get this and, you know. <laughs> Did you, do you, did some of the experience come from that happening to you guys and like that being kind of a general thing that is pretty normal occurrence, especially coffee? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Zoka, to all his credit, is a high volume monster, man. We we would churn out drinks, and there's something so fun about that uh, when you're just like in the zone. Uh, but there's not a lot of space for discussion or questions in that sort of environment. You totally. Know, someone, some, someone standing at the register asking a bunch of questions, which we're stoked to answer. You know, like we're all coffee nerds and we don't necessarily get to use our knowledge all the time. So if someone's interested, I want to just hang out and talk forever. But if you got, you know, you're 20 deep in a line, uh, it, it can be a little bit tough to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we always get in the cappuccino conversation there. Uh, so someone orders a cappuccino thinking it's one thing, whether it be a small beverage or like a half foam beverage, depending on their context. Uh, and so, you know, occasionally that would get missed and people get a beverage that it wasn't the thing they were looking for, which bums us out because we're, we're just trying to get them what they're looking for. And if they're in a hurry, then that kind of, you know, puts a chink in the whole system. So 
So then coming from bartending, yeah, I mean, I actually started in the bar world because we kind of had this idea to try to open a coffee shop that functioned like a bar. And I thought, well, you know, I better get some bar experience so I actually know what I'm talking about. Ah, that's why. Okay. Which, yeah, that was the whole impetus for me even getting into bartending. Ah. Uh, Which, it was research. Right. (laughs) It was R&D. It's funny to compare those two things. I've never been a bartender, and I've said a bunch of times, at some point in my life, I really want to be, but I don't know when or if that'll ever happen. But come up to Liberty, man. We'll get you behind the bar. We'll get you a little stash. That place is tight, too, for everybody who says that. When I said it's the best neighborhood bar in the world, uh, Jared and I have both been there, and it's fucking awesome. Seriously. Yeah, we loved it. It was fun. Yeah, it's super rad. The drinks are really awesome. Um, but it's, I always feel like having these conversations, like you talk about, that we're at a disadvantage in the coffee zone because the bar atmosphere, or like when I go out to a bar, I'm not in a hurry. You know what I mean? I'm. I'm out for the night. I'm going to kick it there probably for like an hour or so. I'm there to socialize. And a lot of times when you're going to get coffee, you're on your way to work. You have like 10 minutes and there's there's not as many opportunities to reach out and be like pulling someone in. Was that uh, was that something that you guys had to fight with a little bit at Slate or just let people know like we're going to chill. It's like cool. Like if you have time, that's great. Let's talk about it. Dude, a hundred percent. Yeah, I used to I used to piss off some of my bartender colleagues because I'd say, yo, you know, in a lot of ways, being a barista is way harder than being a bartender. <laughs> uh, they love that. Yeah, they totally love that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, so we 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 were trying to address that question a little bit, and and part of that was, uh, you got are you familiar with Ferran Adria? He's a chef in Spain. I'm not. Uh, El El Bulli. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, he, I read this book on him and he had this quote where he was saying, uh, you know, to get to the restaurant, it's like, there's like a one lane road for like five kilometers with just on the coast. There's like no turns or nothing. And so the whole time that you're driving down this coast, you're just thinking about this restaurant you're about to go to. Cause there's not even anything else for you to do. And so by the time you get there, you're like, you're ready for it. You've already, you're already in the zone. You're in the mindset to have this experience. And it's almost like they set up the experience to start way, way before you even get to the restaurant. And so the fact that Slate, the first one, was in this really weird kind of corner pocket where you had to take a, a left on this road that doesn't even look like anything to even get there, we kind of hoped put people in the same mindset. Where like if you were there, it's because you were really trying hard to get there. It, it was hard to accidentally get there, basically. Except for the folks in the neighborhood, but that's a different that's a different thing. Right. Right. So if you make the journey, your your headset is always like, You're like, all right, cool, I'm relaxed, I'm going to do this, this is what I'm doing. I'm not necessarily doing it on the way to work or doing it on the way to my meeting. I, I've set aside some time to go do this. Well, and of course some people would, but that's kinda why we start with the first question, like, are you trying to get something to go? Because right. if you are, that's totally cool. Like, well you know, because of the nature of uh, of the service, there might be six different groups there. And they're all kind of in, they might get a couple drinks because they're hanging out for a while. So we're, we're making drinks for different groups at different times who are drinking beverages at different paces, kind of like you do in a bar. And so if someone wants something to go, we can just kind of move that to the front of the line because everyone else has already blocked out so much time for their experience that we can just get them their drink to go almost immediately. And, and they kind of get what they were looking for. If, if it's, you know, if it's something speedy, they can get that a lot faster than if they had to wait in the line with all the other people. Smart move. It's just about getting people what they want. Yeah, really. It's and, and you guys have opened three more since then. 
Yeah, yeah. So there was a company uh, called Trabant Coffee. Oh, yeah. It was Trabant Chai and uh, Coffee and Chai at first. And uh, this was, that was probably the cafe where I had my first specialty coffee experience. It was, uh, it's, it's in the U district and it was Alex Negranza behind the bar, of course. And of course. I, I didn't know who he was at the point. I was just a student and I went in there and I ordered my 12 ounce mocha. And he said, that's a great choice. The chocolate is pairing super well with the espresso today. And I went, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> You're all, bro, I just want a mocha, dude. I what don't do you, even know what those words mean. The what <laughs> pairing with the what? Like, I don't know what's in the drink. I just know it's it's sweet and I like it. Uh, but then he poured this, like, banging Rosetta into it. And I was just like, I, well, I don't even know what this is. All right, y'all, the Cat and Cloud podcast is brought to you by the wonderful folks at Calafia Farms. If you don't know Calafia, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Mm. They make non-dairy milk alternatives, almond milk, coconut milk, and the like. And if you haven't checked it out, they have a bunch of different cold brew options that are RTD. That's ready to drink. You can just wake up 6 a.m., pop the top, and put them in your face. They're made with Central American coffees and Colombian coffees. They're hot fire, and they are good for you. And if you can't handle that milk, they're your answer. And they're America's answer. Is that right, Chris? Yep, they did it for us, they did it for America, and they're doing it for you. We love those guys. They're just all around good human beings. So check it out. We're going to get back to the show. Uh, and so, you know, I go there and study. I think that kind of set me up for an experience later that I had at Zoka, just because I had some sort of context to like, okay, this thing that's coffee is maybe, that maybe there's more to it than what I thought. Right. So it's it's interesting to me that growing up in that whole, you know, Seattle area that you weren't born as a child and immediately knew what latte <laughs> art was or you know what I mean? It seems like it's, just, no, it's part born, of the culture. So I'm in suburbia, right? So I, I started drinking Frappuccinos from day one, man. Did you say you were from Bellingham? No, no, no. Suburbs. No? Suburbs. OK, gotcha. Yeah, Renton. I don't even know what that is. That's where Jimi Hendrix is from. That's tight too. Obviously, yep. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I was a, I was a white mocha with caramel guy, so I get you. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it was great. That was kind of the hangout because it's in suburbia, and where else are you gonna hang out but the Starbucks? And so all my friends would meet there. Back when the coffee shop mentality was like full on, like you go there to hang out and see all your friends. Yep. You yep. Know? Which was which is awesome. I love that space. I love that we did that. One of the local Starbucks actually started hosting open mics that me and my friends would play at. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like real community vibe. Yeah. That's kind of, that's, that's kind of gone for the most part in coffee these days. It's not literally gone, but you know, it's, it's farther between than it used to be. It, it is too. Yeah. I remember Trabant actually used to do that in the U district too. Some of my friends would play shows there. Uh, they had like one night a week or a month rather where they would do, do shows. What kind of music did you play? Oh, man. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> Freestyle rap? Is that what it was? You better believe it. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, man. I don't know. I was kind of coming up in the whole, like, uh, Iron and Wine, Decemberist, like, NPR core sort of thing. Mm. You, you bring a sitar every so often and just, like, <laughs> mix it in. <laughs> I wish, man. Those things are hard to play. <laughs> yeah, there's no chance, right? Yeah, look hard to play. 
Yeah, we can't ever have an open mic night because my dad will come and just play songs and embarrass me for five hours and never leave the stage. It'll be awful. Dude, real talk in Issaquah, which is right by Renton. That's where that's where Modest Mouse is from. I just identify all the suburbs by what bands from there. Oh, uh, yeah. We we had this spot called the Kung Fu Club. It was literally this dude named Sifu Johansson who owned a Kung Fu Club in the day, but he'd rent it out at night for uh, shows. And then it's this like burly, like super old Japanese guy. And then one day we did an open mic and he asked if he could play a, a, a song. And we're all like, sure. Like, I don't know what's going to come out. He full on sings a 12 minute Irish ballad on stage. Totally. <laughs> it's <was> amazing. <laughs> That'd be your Holy dad, Chris. Smoke. That would definitely be my dad. We would. Oh, my dad is. Love you, dad. He used to embarrass <laughs> the crap out of me. His shop was like downtown. And we would all go skate when we were kids downtown. And we're like, let's yep. go by your dad's shop and we'll get something to drink. And he'd be playing. He plays bass guitar and like sings and stuff. And he would we'd be like, oh, we're just going to get something to drink. He's like, oh, hang on. I just wrote this new song. You guys just check it out. And then he'd play music for my friends for like 10 minutes. And I'm just like, oh, no. Stop. That's so legit. <laughs> so legit. Oh, gosh. Man. So, okay. So, you're, you're at Slate. So, where do you work full time? Like, how does it work? You're not at Slate every day right now, right? No, that's true. Oh, wait, hold up. I remember why we got on this tangent, though, because I was about to say that uh, the owner, uh, Trabant, moved out to the East Coast and was kind of not feeling being the owner anymore. And so they ended up uh, selling the company to Slate. Oh, there uh, you go. Which, yeah, yeah. So the next two shops that they opened were the former Trabant spaces. Uh, one's in the U District, one's in Pioneer Square. Uh, and they're both just big, gorgeous spaces. So that's how that happened. So we that go. was a bonus because they were already already built out and yeah. you just tweaked them. And that was in like September. Yeah, I remember they were all it all happened so fast. I was like, damn, somebody been working on some business plan action. They just boom, boom, pow. Yeah, exactly. It was it was just a really cool opportunity that uh, the owners shout out to the walkers, Chelsea, Keenan and Lee San. Uh, they got their stuff together, man. I don't remember which one of them I met at the original slate, but she took she was really awesome. 100% Chelsea. Chelsea is the best. Yeah, she's rad. She's so It was Chelsea. Epic. Yeah, it was Chelsea. Yeah. You like you'll talk to probably like 25 different people who will be like Chelsea is the best boss I've ever had in my life. Well, That's shout a out good to Chelsea. Yeah. Shout out to Chelsea. We're yeah. going to come work for you, Chelsea. We're there gonna, you go. We're going to tag you on the Twitter sphere. <laughs> Yo, that's on the record. On the record. <laughs> okay, so Yeah, yeah, Chris, yeah. Chris, what was your question? Well, I have another question now. Okay. We, I was going to ask you about your day-to-day, but I kind of actually want to segue from Slate. You're, you're, you know, you're working at Slate. You're doing your so bartending cool. thing. And then how did you end up getting interested in doing like barista competitions and that mm-hmm. whole scene? What was that transition like for you? Uh, yeah, totally. I was at, when I was at Zoka, so I'm a, I was going to school, right? So I'm kind of like a research nerd. Uh, and I started researching... Uh, Coffee, the history of like kind of specialty coffee thing and everything. Yeah, you're all coffee is a fruit. Yeah, totally, totally. Put it in your face. Uh, so I, I found the uh, portafilter.net podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I literally listened to the entire backlog, which goes back to like 2005. It's, yeah, it is one of the first, probably the first coffee podcast ever, I think. And, uh, you know, back in that day, uh, Zoka was on fire, man. Deep fire. I remember that. Yeah. There was like there's like Funk Train and Dismiss Smith and Bronwyn Serna and they're all winning all these competitions. 
Right. And there was like Jen Prince and Jen, yeah, yeah. Kyle Larson, who used to work there too. And like, yeah, that was the spot. Trish used to work there, Rafia. Oh, Dude, yeah. that, that, Zoko yeah. is OG. Stephen Straight Vick? up OG. Oh, yeah. Stephen Vick. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he actually went to UW too. He came back and gave a little lecture on uh, like international studies sort of deal about coffee that I got to go to while I was attending. What a all star crew! Yeah, he's a boss. Uh, so I was listening to all this history, and I'm working at this company now, and no one, no one there was doing any competitions. So I kind of started getting interested in it that way. I judged. Uh, what year was it? I judged a, a Northwest Regional the year that Devin Chapman won the first time. I'm okay. so bad with the years. That was when it was in Port. Uh, I think that was when it was. that in Portland? No. It was like 2010 or 11. It was 2011 because he won a, his second one in 2012, and that's when we went to uh, Costa Rica together. So 2011. Okay, so I must, it must have been his second year that I judged it, because uh, I think he won both competitions that year. Yeah, one of those years he did a double down. Anyway, I started judging it just to get a feel for it, and I kind of fell in love with the whole vibe, the atmosphere, all the people kind of supporting each other, and like, I just knew I wanted to do it after that. Do so, you, yeah. Were you intrigued by the sick drink idea on a whole nother level because you had been bartending? Well, at that point, I hadn't bartended. Oh, that's right. Okay, so we're back pre-bartending. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, basically, the first year I competed, so Slate sort of started in April whenever USBC was in Portland. Right. I think, Chris, wait, was that the year? That was the year you did that uh, natural uh, presentation, I think. Yeah, that was uh, 2012. 2012. Water conservation? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yep. I was sitting in the audience for that. You, I swear you talked for a full on 12 minutes straight without doing anything. <laughs> That's out. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was down to the wire on that one. Terrifying. You know, that... Jared, that brings up another point. Did we release that other podcast, Jared, where we talked about the geisha? Yeah, that was that's currently in on the airwaves. It happened. That's on the airwaves. Uh So for everybody who listened to us last week about talking crap about competing with geisha, I definitely did that. So (laughs) guilty, guilty. I'm just calling myself out before someone else calls me out. Well, here's the argument (laughs) for that though. At that time, that wasn't happening, and. Graciano Cruz was like, you can use this coffee. And it was like, uh, we were like, how is this even possible that we can get our hands on something like this? Right. And Shout it was a natural. It was, yeah, right. It, it was natural. like two yeah. things. It was a geisha and it was a natural. So at that point, we could argue innovation, even though it's still, you know, we still have our feelings. Down. We still have our feelings. Yeah. I just wanted to talk crap about me first. Yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah, I'm a <laughs> stupid <laughs> guy. Call that even innovation, though, because that's like way back. That's basically uh, old school Ethiopian coffee. <laughs> right. We'll call it Inception. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I was trying Throw, to get the it's Matrix. Throwback to Inception. It's Throwback Inception. Anyway, so it's 2012. Let's talk about let's talk about BP Dubs now. We're back on. Sorry for that tangent. I got that's excited. Probably, cool. That's where Slate started, by the way. Uh, we had a uh, so we all met up at that uh, at that USBC, and that was the first time we were kind of together as a crew. And I think I had like three days left at Zoka at that point. So the next competition season, you know, part part of us coming on there was was they had they sort of saw the value of competition as a business. Um, just in, in terms of marketing, in terms of getting your name out there, in terms of supporting your staff and all that. So a couple of us definitely wanted to compete. I competed the first time the next year in Seattle and that went predictably poorly. 
<laughs> first time. First time. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a it was an amazing experience though. I definitely I tried to chill down an espresso and I put it in a cocktail shaker because I had just started doing the cocktail thing at that point, and I didn't chill it down enough, so it was hot. So the whole thing pressurized and popped open. I remember seeing that. Yeah, but you you're I still did... like fun on stage, so you know, props to you. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> I was laughing at myself a little bit. I also did some sort of like nitrous infusion thing that got super loud and the whole crowd went quiet and i do this like zoolander look if you if you look at the tape uh yeah i was i was definitely having fun with it uh the judges apparently weren't having so much fun in their mouths with it i'm trying <laughs> to remember if i judged you in that one I, I judged a regional over there and i i can't remember i think i watched you but i didn't judge you i don't know i yeah, i don't think it was that one it wasn't that one Wait, uh, it might have, no, I don't I, remember actually. I, I'm, I'm about to go dig out my score sheets. You should dig out your score sheets, yeah. <laughs> that would have been 2013, right? Yep, would have been 2013, yeah. We were definitely up there, Chris, because we stayed in that crazy hotel with Amy Dansker, and you and I pulled that Colombian coffee, worked up that whatever, the BGA Well, you're, ta you're talking regionals, though, yeah. This was a regional, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You and you and Cole went up there. Cole Billings. Yeah, yeah. We were there for sure. It was in this weird building with this weird parking garage, and it was, it was fully random. It's like a warehouse thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was fun. That was super fun. No, I didn't win that. I won the Brewers Cup though that year. There you ah, go. crushed it. Which was You're super all... fun. Super fun. My nitrous didn't work out, but I can brew the shit out of some coffee, guys. <laughs> But here's what I, here's something I wanted to say. I want to know what you guys think about this. You know how every coffee uh, kind of nerd has their their like superhero like origin moment with a, a cup of coffee that they can usually remember. Yeah. Uh, you guys have that coffee that you know that you can remember. Like the first time, like your experience with uh, Zoka and the Natural or whatever. Yeah, you had a Matrix moment, like your eyes were open. Yeah, dude, uh, for sure. It was, for me, it was 2005, and I was still living in the Burbs, so I was still in Modesto, small yep. town in it, and Tony Serrano. Yo, shout out. I, I was, like, just getting to kind of know him, and he was going to open up a place, and he's like, we're going to go to the Bay Area. We're going to check out these places. We're going to drink some coffee, and I'm, like, I'm working as a barista this time thinking that I know what's up, and I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll go with you. I'm really scared of you, but I'll go anyway because <laughs> he was, like, so intense, and I was just, like, a quiet kid, and Ritual had just opened, and we went to Ritual, and I had an espresso and a cappuccino, and my fucking face just like straight up melted off. Like I'd never seen latte art in person. I'd never seen like a proper espresso shot made. Like I thought I had, but it's literally changed my life. It was okay. So this is perfect though, because my whole idea is that there's sort of like two types of coffee professionals. Some people have that moment with a cup of brewed coffee, and some people have it with espresso, and it like sets mm -hmm. you on these different tracks. For me, it was definitely espresso for sure. Yeah, and mine was a cup of brewed coffee, right? Mine was a cup of going. coffee. Oh, okay. But it was a it was a Guatemalan coffee from oh Delanos actually, and there you go. my it was at my dad's shop because he had just he had always had me drink his coffee at home. And then when we opened up a little shop in Chico, he got some Delano sent down, and he brewed this Guatemalan coffee. And I was like, whoa, this tastes different than the coffee you make at home. Dude, shout out the name of the shop real quick because it's fun name. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's called Pasta and Spice and Everything Nice. Yeah. 
Yes. Nailed it. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's no longer in existence. But you know, we had a sick lever machine, and they were like, they came down and trained my dad. It was pretty funny. Anyway, okay, that, so yeah, your, that was mine. Your point is that my theory sucks. No, but here's the thing: you're dealing, <laughs> you're dealing with me, and I'm kind of like a weird anomaly in that I just always, I don't know, like I, I can't even remember that exact kind of coffee in the espresso experience. I can remember just liking and thinking that the coffee was different and not caring so much about I actually thought it was about the process at first. So it took me a while to start getting into it. I was like, what are they doing different? And like I thought it was about roasting and less about origin and all this other stuff. So I approached it differently in my mind. Totally. Totally. So I'm just a weirdo, basically is where what your your theory I think stands in some way, shape or form. And that's why you're a Brewers Cup champion because you, your your aha moment was with the brewed coffee. I'm gonna go with the Brewers Cup. Right? I realized at one point that even when I was making espresso, I was trying to make it taste like brewed coffee. I'd put like you know 200 grams of water through there. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really, not not that much, but you know what you're I mean. Op- open that up, baby, on the back end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely that's definitely holds true for me in my experience because I for the for the longest time after that I could really like give a shit about brewed coffee for those first like two or three years I was like I don't care dude it's like whatever and I always drank coffee I always drank brewed coffee and I always enjoyed it but I was like let's make espresso well, you Let guys talk so much about, about texture too right yeah I, I'm like yeah for me it just it just comes all from there and I think that's why I like the like the burlier stuff I like the body I'm definitely an espresso kid. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm was, in the mix. I was listening to your last cast. You were talking about development and getting that body as far as age goes. Body. Body, body with a butt. <laughs> so we like a nice body. So here, I'm looking at, uh, I guess I'm going to give you a shout out. You were featured on an extended article of The Tasting Table on tastingtable.com. So you can go check this out. Uh, speaking about coffee cocktails, and there's a few other people involved in this, but seems that you've been working on coffee cocktails so you know we fast forwarded and you're now combining like your your bartending skills with your coffee skills and i guess your barista competition skills you know right and you're you're making drinks and in one of the comments that uh, our friend charles wabinski makes in this thing is that you can't uh be a normal coffee shop anymore yeah and uh i guess you know you come from a place of kind of pioneering in in seattle right a new style of coffee shop do you agree with that statement and oh man yeah let's hear it let's just go go off bro i want to hear you oh that was a cat attacking my leg right there oh well i thought maybe you were just excited (laughs) about talking oh man yeah all right y'all we're gonna take a little break and give a shout out to curtis brewers curtis has been pretty amazing to us over the years and they have some pretty cool stuff going on this is their 75th anniversary this year they are the first company to bring digital digital technology to brewing. Going digi, straight digi. I think one of the coolest things they do is they do 48-hour turnaround on all orders. So if you need a brewer in like two days, you can get that. Yeah, and mo- most of the time it's actually faster, which is a trip. Uh, the other thing is that they're a family-owned company, and we're super down with that. They are four generations deep, and they have really built themselves a legitimate empire. We really believe in the family-owned and operated deal. They're from California, which is where we're from. So, you know what's we cool love in California? Anymore. Solar. 
solar. Energy efficiency. They have what? 38,308. They have Some like thousands of solar panels. So many solar panels that they are 90% neutral in their energy use. So if that's not enough shout outs and that's enough reason to get involved with these guys, I don't really know what it is. I got Chris. one more. Coffee what? tastes awesome. Oh, yeah. We drink it all the time out of Chris. That's just Brewers. like a bonus, I guess, though. Yeah, I mean, if you want good coffee want and coffee, an awesome yeah. company. And it's not Cat and Cloud, try Curtis. All right, we're going to get you back to the episode. All right, later. No, uh, <laughs> let me just stop the bleeding real quick. Uh, Do you need a tourniquet? No, she, she full on tried to jump into my lap, missed my lap, and tried to claw to not fall down. Oh, it's one of those. That's a solid That's one. Yeah. Uh, her name is Gatu Riri. Uh, <laughs> Did Gatu Riri get your femoral? Do you ever? Do you guys ever see those Sprudge mispronunciation guides? <laughs> oh man! Yeah, so they call it they call it Gator Rai Rai. <laughs> Gator Rai Rai. So we call her Gator. Yeah. Anyway, U- Ulalan Dargunanus. <laughs> yeah, the correct pronunciation for Spruge, I think, was Spooge. 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 I saw yeah. that one. Spooge. Makes me laugh. Yeah, dude, that uh, coffee cocktails, man, that was fun. That was an event we did for this mezcal company called uh, La Nina del Mezcal. Yep. Cecilia Murrieta's company. Uh, they produce some incredible stuff. Uh, really, really, really tasty stuff from Oaxaca and actually some other products from other uh, states in, in Mexico. But uh, some of the folks that are representing that mezcal kind of hit me up and like, hey, we want to do this event. What do you think? I was like, well, let's do like a bartender wake up at like 1 p.m. because that's when bartenders wake up. And we're going to have some coffee for them. And so I ended up making like a cold brew out of some Oaxacan coffee because, you know, Oaxaca, right. mezcal, coffee. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I think I said some silly stuff in the article about how it's like these two plants are grown on the same mountainside way Poetic. back in Oaxaca, and they both went through this whole weird transformation, and now they're back together. It's like old friends. Yeah, reunited in the cocktail. And it feels so good. Coming from the same terroir. 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 Yeah, man, it's just, I was having fun with it trying to put some flavors together some like rhubarb and peach in that cocktail but we did a few different ones uh i mean honestly just, it sounds good i'm reading uh, you know peach liqueur angostura bitter as rhubarb amaro and then you got the mezcal and cold brew it's happening dude yeah fun tasty stuff man complex i also i'll i'll be real too i share y'all's opinion about cold brew in general uh-oh world isn't it rough dude it's rough man <laughs> dude it's rough man <laughs> I feel like in order to make it really, truly good, they got to brew that stuff and then like somehow like completely flush it and seal it. And then you open it and you drink it and then that's it. And then it's gone. There's like like ast- like astronaut coffee, like with like an hour or two hours of service window or something ridiculous. And that's it. And then it gets all oxidized and weird. Let me ask you about this, though. Because, you know, you're trying to get stuff that your guests like, like if someone comes in, it's like. I think you posted a video the other day, and the one drink that you shot out on bar is like a six-shot Americano or something. That'll oh, yeah. Yeah, Jared. Six shots in that Americano. <laughs> Which, you know, they asked for it. You you know you got, you can make it. You're going to make it damn tasty, so you made it. Respect. I got all these guests who love cold brew. Mm, and so I see where you're of, going. You see what I'm saying? It I feel you. In, like, well, this... Like, y- yeah. So yeah? let me ask you this. Do they love yeah. do they so, you know, the word cold brew for one is a trendy word, right? People come in and say I want to try this cold brew. 
are these the people who like actually kind of know that they want that kind of liquory tasty thing or are they just coming in because it's like hot and cold brew is the cool thing right for me i hear i want cold brew what they really are saying is i want iced coffee which we will definitely have and serve it just won't be cold brew well so when we started out with slate we did uh the the sort of flash brew uh peter giuliano japanese uh method iced coffee right uh which i love because i'll be real i'm an acid hound i love that acid i like that acid you want to bro that make it bright uh and so you get some of that i, I do these like banging kenyan coffees that were really light and bright and acidic we shake it so the oils all foam up it gets a head like a beer on it so you get some of that texture yep mm-hmm. uh, it was super fun uh some people, so, you know, a lot of the times people are in this mindset of getting something new because they were all the way out there in, in that spot. Other times people would be like, oh, but do you guys have any cold brew? Mm-hmm. Like, well, no, no, I don't. Now uh, Slate's kind of full on embrace that. And they're they're doing this, like carbonated cold brew in cans that have this like freaking awesome graphic on the front. They look gorgeous. Yeah, I saw they're, that. Many different versions, like five different or six. Different ones. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really cool stuff. Uh and it's kind of like a, a complete 180 from the other side. And, and I honestly, I go back and forth between the two uh, sort of perspectives. I can't like, I don't personally like cold brew, but if I can make a product that my guests want that they really like, shouldn't I do that? Yeah, I would actually say for all the crap, then this is me personally, that we talked earlier, that you, you probably should make that. And it everybody's in a different situation, right? So I feel like for... For us, we're going to make our cold coffee, and it's yep. going to be our cold brew, and people aren't even going to notice because I know our market here, and I know what yep. people actually want. But I talk about this a lot, but in small town or depending on your neighborhood, there just comes down to where like you need to do what you need to do to survive as a business. A coffee shop isn't the most profitable thing ever in the world already. So if, you know, being a badass and being like, I don't serve cold brew or like I'm going out of business, you should probably just serve the cold brew. It, it, you know, it's one of those things that you do that allows you to bring a little bit more of what you do like to the table because it's a profit center for you. Totally. I think I would make this analogy too. Oh, I think it's right to start out with what you're trying to do and present that to people. And then when that becomes a little more, uh, I don't know, widespread or well-known or whatever, then you can kind of shift back from it. Like right. when Slate was brand new and we only had this one little spot. If we were kind of just if we were doing everything that everybody wanted all the time, we would have like a 95 item menu and no one would know what we were about. Right. But, you know, now now that it's a little bit more established, it kind of makes sense that we can uh, step back and do some of the cold brew stuff. There was like in bartending, there was a lot of bars that came out about 10 years ago that didn't have any vodka whatsoever. Because vodka was all anybody would ever ask for. And so. The fact that that was familiar to them hindered them from trying quality, well-made other product products. Mm-hmm. Like if all you've ever had is bottom shelf gin, bottom shelf bourbon, you're gonna hate gin and bourbon. Yeah. But there's there's really great iterations of those, and if you're only getting the thing that you're familiar to, you'll never know about those really great iterations. So they made a stand and just didn't carry vodka at all. No vodka teas, bro. <laughs> and now there's a. I think in in the general consumer awareness, there's a little bit more understanding that okay, there. You know, I can get a really good version of pretty much anything that I'd probably enjoy, but I actually do just prefer X, Y, Z. And so bars have kind of taken a step back from that stand and said, okay, we're going to carry vodka, but we'll do some really well-made stuff, ethical-made stuff, some stuff that I can really stand behind and, and call that good. 
So that sounds like vodka is almost like the Tarani syrup of the bartending world to where, yeah. you know what I mean? The, the third wave, the initial third wave pioneers are like, no, we don't have syrups. We don't do that. It's just not right. part of what we do. You're going to enjoy the coffee for what it is. And that's that. But now, okay, we can make other drinks than just, you know, lattes and cappuccinos and brewed cups of coffee. And we're going to make our own syrups. And we're going to make them out of good stuff. And we're going to create drinks that aren't just overly sweet, but that have, like balance and character to them, and you can enjoy those. We got people making nut milks. There's we nut do. milk here, too. Nut milk all Wait, day. Wait, let me let me say okay. something about this this cold brew thing again because my thought process on this cold brew thing isn't necessarily, in my mind, even that we don't do it. What it is is that we don't do it the same way it currently is presented. Right? Like I don't like a lot of what's going on in there, and our job is to make something that we're proud of and whether I just, I don't like to call it cold brew and like lump whatever we're going to make into whatever category cold brew is right now. Right. I don't want to be in that category. I want to make something that doesn't have the flavors that I dislike in that drink and whatever that is, call it cold coffee, call it whatever. If we make up a cool ass name that everybody wants to jump on board with, I don't really care. Right. My job is to make, the negative parts of that drink go away and ultimately serve somebody, everybody, a better experience. And that's, that's right. the dream, right? It's not necessarily So you're the saying it's less about, brew. right, less about what it is and more about what does it taste like? What is it doing for me? It's more that for me, like, yeah, it's more about, like, not settling again for something just because it's new or innovative at the time because it's always going to change. And, and also not calling something good that's, in my opinion, not good. People still can like it. But I won't, and I'm going to improve it, <laughs> and then hopefully like they it. will like what we do as well. Because maybe they don't have a better version of it yet. Well, so truth be told, what I did, did was like a three-part thing where only a third of it was like a real cold brew. And then a third of it was sort of that flash thing, so I got a little bit of acidity, but people still got that heavy creaminess they were looking for. Mm-hmm. And then the other third of it, I just straight up brewed like a 1 to 15 uh, hot coffee and stuck it in the fridge, sealed it up. <laughs> So I blended those three things together, and it was it was really yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I had see, the acidity that I wanted. People had the depth and richness that they wanted. How was the one to fifteen just by itself when it was cold? Uh, it was okay. I mean, it was slightly oxidized uh, by the time I used it. It was in the fridge for six hours. Um, Is there a Cessna flying over you right now? Dude, okay, you guys know about Seafair uh, out here? We got the Blue Angels like flying around. Oh yeah, love the Blue Angels. Yeah, Jared used to jets. fly with the Blue Angels. Yeah, my cats are going nuts, man. <laughs> uh, so basically what you're saying, bro, is that you innovated, though, a drink that had, that you know arguably was more balanced and had what you wanted out of it than just went with the traditional cold brew method. Right? Well, it's kind of the deal, right? If you can find the common ground with your guests to where you can serve something that kind of kind of hits the buttons for you, but then something they're really going to enjoy, that's the ideal. Right. I mean, I was listening to a podcast today about the ability to its not sell per se, but to like get people to believe in you. And if, if you're not able to be at a place where you're excited and authentic and, and delivering something that you're proud of, then even if it tastes good, it's going to be harder for people to like buy into it. You know, it's like if you don't believe what you're selling or giving to somebody is the best, then ultimately like they might like it, but they're going to see through that at some point. I feel like pe- people pick up on that too. Hard core. They pick up on that. Yeah, so you got to know, I don't know, you just got to believe in what you're putting out there. And if you don't like your cold brew and you tell everybody it's the best cold brew, then you're like, I don't know, it's weird for me. That's yeah, all. totally. I mean, that's kind of like, I guess that maybe, maybe you can support this, but that's kind of the impetus for running your own thing in the first place is you get to make decisions about what you sell. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, because like be your average barista, like, what if the owner wants to sell a cold brew and you're not about the cold brew? You still got to sell it, you know? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's it's being able to stand behind that and curate an experience, and you know, at the end of the day, we're not going. Chris and Charles and I can't do everything. We're going to need to be able to get people on board who believe, but we're also going to, you know, let them be involved with that process as well and do things totally. together. So, but yeah, you're right. That's exactly why to be able to curate that experience and have some sort of, not necessarily control, but you know, parts of control and 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 guiding that vision to somewhere special, hopefully. I mean, I'll be real. Being a bartender helped me out with this a ton because I make drinks all the time that I, I wouldn't want to drink. Right. Uh, but that people are super stoked to, to drink. And, you know, people sometimes are like, well, hey, what's your favorite drink? I'm like, I, you know, I, I have preferences in this and that, but it's not really about me right now. It's about you. Like, what do you like? Yeah. Because I'm not the one who's going to drink that drink. I'm not spending money on this drink right now. Right. You could be like, I, I want a Bud Light right now. And that's actually chill, even though I also like these crazy other drinks that have, you know seven ingredients and tons of accent i mean that's what that, right that's the other side of it for bartending is that it's not like each opportunity is like the one opportunity i'll get for every drink i make that you know maybe i wouldn't enjoy i get another opportunity on the other side where someone's like hey can you like make me something with gin and like this random other liqueur and i'm like great and i can go go off and do whatever i want with it and that, that's fun right i mean I mission on both sides yeah, I mean, I I watch uh, Chef's Table and all those, you know, those Netflixy shows. Love Chef's Table, right? Yeah, and they talk about a lot of the times how some of their experiences are curated to have people take bites of their food and say, "Do I like this?" and have them be so new and different that it takes them like a while to get their minds around what's going on. You know, it's like these are the some of the most renowned people in the world as far as food and culinary experience goes, and. They're admittedly serving stuff that they, they think is good and interesting, but that they know people are maybe not going to get it. <laughs> it's just crazy to me, that complexity. I love I that, think... though. It, it engages you on multiple levels. It's not just sensory. It's also, like, in your head, and it makes you feel a certain way. Feelings, dude. It's like a full human experience, man. Right. That's, that's... Yeah, I think going back to – oh, sorry. I cut no, you that's off. That's it. That's the dream. I got all excited. I yeah, going back to what you were talking about, Brandon, I think um, as a barista, one thing that helped me, because I used to be really hardcore, like I only want to make people espresso or I only want to make cappuccino, is finding joy in every beverage that you make in different ways. And then maybe if you're making something that's even just like a latte, you know, your favorite drink's not a latte, you could kind of like take or leave a latte. But to that person that you're making it for, it's it's everything. It's their drink of the day. And maybe you're like, you know what? I'm going to make the freaking best latte I can. I'm going to have fun with it. I'm going to make the sickest latte art I can. Yeah, and man. Just, pretty wiggles, man. Yeah, pretty wiggles. And like that's your win. And seriously, just watch people be so stoked. And then you get to have fun and you're not all upset because all I want to make is, I don't know. What's a cool bartending drink? Like what's the OG? Like, you know, what's like the espresso of the bar world or the cappuccino of the bar world? Uh, well, cappuccino, man, any egg white cocktails, right? Because you can do all the uh, got you. designs on top. Like a, like a, uh, geez, like a whiskey sour kind of thing? Or... Yeah, for sure, for sure. Right. A nice gin but, fizz. I mean, we'll get down with a garnish, too. We'll do some crazy, like, tw like cut up a peel and twist it in all different ways. and Like, the drink should look like it's exciting to drink. Right. Whatever that is. I feel you. Negroni's my favorite cocktail. Love a Negroni. Negroni's bomb. But so like I can even nerd out about that because you got the Campari, but then I have like 10 different vermouths and I got like 40 different gins. So I can make you, you know, 400 different Negronis real quick. Unlimited possibilities. <laughs> okay. 
Can we do a 400 Negroni tasting and totally I'll... have a sick time afterwards? I need a flight. <laughs> Let's do it, man. That's and call an Uber because I'm going to be out of my mind. <laughs> no, I like what you said, though, about finding uh, finding joy in every making every single beverage for some way or another. Like, I found the easiest way to do that, though, is to make sure the person who's getting it is just super stoked about what they're getting. For sure. It is. Because 100%. I can look at their face. And that's the nice thing about bartending, too, is, like, you, you get to watch them drink it. Sometimes you don't get to do that if people are taking stuff to go. Right. But a lot of times they'll try it first, you know, and you can kind of gauge it uh, before they leave. Well, that was my question. Oh, yeah, go for it. Watching their face light up, I mean, that that's the cool thing for me. Well, that was my question. You, I mean, I'm sure there's drinks that you at least at some point we're not all too into, but did you find yourself tasting drinks over and over again and almost developing, you know, more of a love for, for beverages that had flavors you weren't really into earlier on in your career? Uh, coffee wise or bartending wise or both really, but bartending is where I was going with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not really a big fan of savory cocktails for whatever reason, like dirty vodka martinis or bloody Marys or whatever. Right. Uh, and I think that was just, it's kind of the same story. Like a lot of people have a bad example of a particular drink and they just think they don't like that drink. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really, they just don't like the bad example of that drink. You know what I mean? For sure. And so, you know, I've tasted a lot of like, like bad Bloody Marys with like, you know, the canned tomato juice that's not super great. Uh, and, you know, just not fresh ingredients. But you get some like banging tomatoes and you make a Bloody Mary and it's, it's magical. Yeah, I made a, a drink world. yesterday for a, a bourbon event with some carrot juice that was super savory. Uh, and I, I found myself like pretty pumped on it, even though, quote unquote, I don't like savory drinks. Ah, was it like a kvass at that point? Basically. <laughs> uh, I want your cocktails. Come, come get it, man. Yeah, it's just a little hopping to jump across the sound to you. No, but we're, we're going to be up there. That, well, yeah, in January. In January. Hey, that's yeah, not too far away. That's not too far away. That's not too far away. We'll come see you for sure. We we can shamelessly plug ourselves. We're going to be at the, the La Marzocchio experience for the month of January. Yes. Shout out to the, what is it, the KEXP? Is that the building? Am I wrong there? What is it? No, you're absolutely right. That's the local independent radio station. Uh, they've been crushing out here for years. And that cafe La Marzocchio opened in there is legit. Yeah, it looks insane. Actually, it- they just did uh, Buna. Uh, from Mexico, just uh-huh. did a, a residency there. Lalo. And we got to do a little launch party where I got to pour tequila and mezcal for like 400 people for three hours. We're going to come get a mezcal tasting from you because I, I had these crappy mezcals a couple times. And then all of a sudden, there's been a couple experiences recently where I've tasted good mezcal. And I was like, oh, I'm, I get it now. Well, I don't know if we could do that. I'm down to like 95 different ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> Narrow it down to the, your top five, and we'll do that, and then the Negroni tasting, and then Chris and I will come home with cirrhosis. All right. Can I give a little Liberty Bar a uh, little update shout-out right now? I want to Absolutely. hear all about it. So uh, it's been around for a decade, right? I did not know that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Andrew Freeman, owner, is uh, moving on to some other projects, but he wanted to kind of keep the same vibe. So he's basically selling it to the staff, and we're forming a co-op. Oh, that's sick. sick. Way so to it's go. Be a cooperatively owned bar, and so we're kind of in the transitionary process of that right now. Uh, I'm spending a lot of time with spreadsheets. A whole new world of business, eh? A whole new world, but it's super fun. We're really excited about it, uh, and it just kind of fits. Like you were saying about 
what you want to do with your staff and everything and kind of involve them in the process. Liberty's always been that way. So, so this kind of model just fits really, really, really well. Good for you guys. Congrats. How many uh, people are involved with that now? Is it like 10 uh, so, plus? Well, four initially. Uh, some other people are definitely thinking about it. But, you know, to be at a certain point in your career and to tie yourself uh, to a particular bar uh, isn't necessarily the best choice for everybody. So, right. So some people are definitely definitely thinking about it on the fence, and uh, you know it, it'll grow from there. But it's starting with uh, basically the four senior members. So baller. So come check it out. Yeah, I mean it's a good time. Uh, neighborhood bar, staff owned, that whole deal. Right. I can't wait. It's gonna make Seattle in uh, January a whole new thing, and it'll be sunny and perfect, obviously. In January. Yeah, in January, 100%. Yeah. January is going to be best weather ever. I'm going to bring flip-flops and shorts, and that's it. Boycott winter. <laughs> Boycott winter, yeah. If you don't acknowledge it, it's not happening. It doesn't even – yeah, it goes away every time. <laughs> that would be a great little, like, travel video series. Jared Truby boycotts winter. <laughs> Just like California Surf Bro anywhere in the rain, like, with fully shorts out, tank top. Si- Siberia with JT. You, <laughs> like, roll in. Sick day outside, guys. We'll get out the mountains. We'll do some uh, do some snowboarding in the shorts. Dude, I'm gonna have to practice. What's that guy? The Iceman. I'm gonna have to practice his breathing techniques. (laughs) (laughs) What? What is? What's next for? For you, Brandon, you know, you've got this whole thing going on with with Liberty Bar. That's exciting. Still making coffee. Do you have any other projects that we should look out for in the future? The future of BPW. Uh, well, a couple other shout outs. I got to work on uh, Slayer Steam a little bit, which was super fun. Uh, look for that machine to uh, hit hit stores in the next coming months here. I will. You got your text? Yeah. Dead air. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you. You were waiting for me. We were waiting for each other. It happens sometimes on the podcast. Jared and I are in different rooms for people who don't know. You what? We're in different rooms. He's in my bedroom. <laughs> I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm right. a little separation right now, huh? Yeah. Separation I'm anxiety. Sitting next uh, to a Cetaphil bottle. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, always working on different projects. I coached a few people uh, in barista competition last year. That was super fun. I you might competed. do that again this year. Last year, uh, I supported Chelsea in the Brewers Cup, uh, which she absolutely crushed it, made it to the U.S. competition. Uh, Maxwell Mooney, also yeah. shout out, just opened uh, Narrative Coffee in Everett, and he's crushing it up there. Uh, he competed last year, just barely uh, was outside of semifinals, and so we'll see about that. I might do some coaching again. I might compete. I don't know. I mean, you made the finals, so that's pretty sweet. <laughs> The, uh, yeah, so that was two years ago. Where was that at? So I didn't compete in Atlanta. Where, uh, where was that? I was there watching. Was it Seattle again? That why? It's confusing. It must have been no. Seattle. No? World was in Seattle last year. Oh, it was in LA. It was in like. Like Long, Long Beach. Beach. Long, it was in Long Beach, 100%. Yeah, it yeah, was, was Long Beach. That's right. I did the yep. I did the mock competitions that year. I was like, "Why can't oh, I remember?" Okay. Long Beach is pretty forgettable. That's why. Not to not to hate on anybody from Long Beach, but <laughs> let's be real. Long Beach is 
I had a great time, but Long Beach is pretty forgettable. Man, I showed up and got food poisoning the first night. That's just proves my point right there. Just Nothing like you get to compete at the USBC uh, coming off of food poisoning. Lizzie Sampson. <laughs> <laughs> she did that Happen- too. It happens to the best of them. Gosh. Jesus. Uh, Coach, mentor, trainer, bar co-op owner, poet, and comes straight out of Lenny Kratt, not Lenny Kratt, uh, Jimi Hendrix's city. <laughs> you're, you're getting Nick crossed up with Jimmy and um, rural Seattle. Together, man. Dude, this is awesome. We're at an hour right now, JT. Yeah, I mean it's time it's time to close close the lid on Brandon Paul Weaver. Do you have any last questions or shout outs or anything you want to give to the people before uh, before we call it and put you out into the internet next week? Well, hold up, give me a couple of minutes. Tell me where you guys are at because you guys are about to try to open a shop. You guys are popping up. Just give me the lowdown, dude. Oh yeah. The lowdown's tight, actually. The shop's looking really good. So it's all wrapped in Tyvek. We got all windows and doors in. They just put the patio deck on the front. That was poured. Planners in the back. And they just today finished our parking lot and surrounding area. So we got all new asphalt. They striped the lot so you could park a car in there. No way. It's, look, it's looking pretty sick right now. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. And then the uh, counters and all that's built off site chairs and tables are almost done off site as well it's freaking coming together it's yeah it's all happening i mean if all I know what it's well. like, starting from scratch and trying to build it up i know how crazy that gets it's been nuts the, the roaster's finished it's not here yet but it's finished Dope. so think about that yeah we're th- you, guys get, you guys got a diedrich right no it's a san franciscan oh that's right 25 pounder and it looks sick we got some there's some pictures on the cat cloud instagram if you want to check them out it's a hot uh poseidon green but that's only part of it there's a bunch of raw steel that you can't see i'm really excited to see it in person i can't wait stoked to get coffee off of that i mean i'm sipping on this uh antigua right now oh for, like las anajas from cat and cloud coffee roasters just like that man i got a t-shirt i got a mug i got the whole deal oh thank you so much for supporting us dude i feel so loved dude it's always so real oh. I remember there was one more thing I wanted to say. Here's the first time I ever interacted with you guys. It was way back when I was at Zoka just learning about this stuff. You guys had a blog and you tried to post like a video skate competition. Oh, yeah, dude, that was gnarly. And so I straight up, I went out to go film it. My first trick, it was a kickflip. I forgot to warm up, literally missed the flick and almost nutted. (laughs) And just straight up didn't submit a video because you were all like, don't cheat. I was like, well, <laughs> don't well, I messed up there. <laughs> Credit card. Credit card. Yeah. Yeah. Credit card. You got so, it. That was the first time that I ever like was like figured out who you guys were and I was, was trying to interact with it. So Dude, that's I'll awesome. that on the record. I'm down with that. That's that's so good. And then dude, you guys are awesome. Like you and that whole squad up there that you run with, you're so fucking funny. And you you just like do your own thing. And there's always like a unique style. Like you always show up with your own game plan. And I freaking love that, dude. So just keep rolling that. Gotta have a good time, man. We're trying to keep it fun. Well, you know I also I mean? appreciate you guys will uh, you guys will have like a a legit discussion with people and hear some sides instead of being that classic, especially coffee place where you're like, I'm pissed off now, so I'm gonna talk shit and run away. You know, <laughs> you guys <laughs> have you heard that before? Has that ever happened? Dude, all the time, man. All the time. Yeah. So anyway, I, I can't I, take it too, too seriously, man. I just pour things from big vessels into smaller vessels. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just like taking a whiz. <laughs> well, <laughs> I need that T-shirt, Cat and Cloud, just like taking a whiz. 
<laughs> Drinking Cat and Cloud is just like taking a whiz in the morning. <laughs> Holy smokes! All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing up. Where can people find you though? Like Instagram, website. Like, how do you get a hold of Brandon Paul Weaver right before we go? Uh, Instagram, Brandon Paul Weaver. Super creative. That's my name. Uh, Twitter, Coffee and Books with a Z because the S was taken. Mm. Uh, LibertyBars.com. Check that out. Or just come show up at the bar, man. Really, just come show up. That's probably the plan. Go yeah. to the bar, get a drink, have some conversation. It might just change your life. It might change your life. All right, Brandon, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, man. Everybody, this has been the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast, broadcasting live from Santa Cruz, California, connecting with Seattle, and we'll Ow. catch you guys next week. Cheers. Goodbye, Brandon. Au revoir. <laughs> <laughs>